1: they found hundreds of thousands of dollars in his pants that's what the fbi says they found when they went to senator robert menendez's house in new jersey they found it in june of 2022 and for some reason we're we're only finding out about it a couple of days ago the uh, Prosecutor says that uh, they found $480,000 in cash stuffed in envelopes and hidden in clothing uh, and in closets and a safe plus $70,000 in cash in his wife's safe deposit box. Uh, They also found a Mercedes Benz and bars of Egyptian gold. Do you have any of that stuff hanging around your house right now? Bob says all that stuff was from his savings That's what I do with my savings. I stuff it in my pants hanging in the closet. And he's hired Abe Lowell, or Ab, I don't know what his name is. But anyways, Hunter Biden's attorney to deal with the indictment, which says, by the way, that he has has been involved in a bribery scheme that involved him using his position on the Foreign Relations Committee to help a few Egyptians get rich. It's complicated, and it doesn't matter. Anyway, this guy held a news conference today, and said that he's not going anywhere, that he plans to remain as New Jersey's senior senator, then he made sure that he said this. The allegations leveled against me are just that, allegations. For anyone who has known me throughout my 50 years of public service, they know that I have always fought for what is right. My advocacy has always been grounded, in what I learned from growing up, are you ready for this? As the son of Cuban refugees, especially my mom, my hero, Evangelina Menendez, everything I accomplished, I worked for, despite the naysayers and everyone who has underestimated me. So poor Bob has been beaten up all his life because he's from the, the child of Cuban immigrants, and he's just still, just still suffering the consequences. Then he went on to say that he's going to continue to fight for the people of New Jersey. Now, I don't know about you, but... Anytime I hear a politician talking about how he's going to, quote, unquote, fight for his constituents, I don't know. I figure the chances of him lying are probably quadrupled. So let's see how long this guy manages to stay in the Senate. He's a Democrat, so don't count him out. When we come back, how would you like to have Gavin Newsom as your next president? It could happen. And if you haven't heard already, wait until you hear our guest after the break explain exactly what this lunatic would like to do to the Second Amendment in California. And in our second half hour, Governor Josh Shapiro has a plan to get more Democrat voters, and he's bragging about it, even though it's, you know, unconstitutional and counterproductive. Stick around. Well, Gavin Newsom is the governor of California right now. He'd like to be the next president. And, uh, you know, when Joe Biden finally has his last senior moment and drops out, he could be the nominee. He'd also like to do some serious infringing. He doesn't like the Second Amendment. Victoria Taft of PJ Media and the West Coast West Coast blog and the Adult in the Room podcast has been keeping an eye on Gab for a while now, and she joins us. Uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on again, Victoria.
2: Great to be in Stagger World.
1: That's right. So what, does, uh, what did Gavin try to do, and why did the judge shut him down?
2: Well, this is, um, this is what happens when you play with house money this is what happens when you play with other people's money you keep going for that next bite of the apple and try to win a war of attrition by bankrupting your opponents gun owners legal lawful gun owners so this is i believe it's the sixth time that california has fought on to rid people of their gun rights in this case A 10-round magazine or anything above is considered to be a high-capacity, you know, gun magazine. And so they have tried to say in court that, hey, you know, you don't really need that. And so, therefore, it's really not necessary. And here we have all this fake evidence to show that this fake evidence is that there are only 2.2 shots per incident fired. um, And so therefore, uh, in any given defensive use of a firearm. And um, in this case that came out on Friday, Judge Benitez, a federal district court judge said, you know what, first of all, that's not even germane. Second of all, your data are incorrect, because you've never taken into effect the fact that there is actually a gun used when something doesn't happen. For example, if somebody just brandishes a gun against a bad guy and the, and the guy gives up. So what happened was the California governor as well as the attorney general both got spanked hard by this judge. Again, same judge. And under Bruin, uh, they came at him and, um, and wanted to use some of the same arguments after the Heller decision Then they came out and they used the same arguments after the Bruin decision, and they're just sort of moving around a few words, and and they just keep coming and coming and coming. And this has been slapped down, not once, not twice, not three times, but now this is the fourth time, I believe, that this has been slapped down. And yet, moments after this decision was issued on Friday, a 71-page decision, the California Attorney General Rob Bonta went back and said, oh, and by the way, we're going to appeal this one to the Ninth Circuit. Now, mind you, at the Ninth Circuit, California has not, and this ammo ban, which is what this is, California has been slapped down three times now, no, twice, twice. So this has been adjudicated over and over. The era of Bruin is in full effect and the California, as well as other states of like mind, for example, Oregon, are going and Washington are going to court to just try through wars of attrition, get rid of any obstacle in their way to deprive Californians, Oregonians, and Washingtonians, the West Coast, West Coast of being able to use whatever damn magazine they want to use in their gun. That they say, well, we can proscribe that. And, and of course, the Judge Benitez in San Diego, he's, by the way, just parenthetically, the judge that President Trump slapped down, uh, himself for not giving him an immigration ruling and he had a fit and said, hey, this is the guy, he's the wrong guy, this is bad, whatever. Anyway, he's a real gun on gun law, so President Trump should be very happy about that. Nevertheless, just chapter and verse in the 71 page decision. That saying that California, the Cal, this case is about a California state law that makes it a crime to keep and bear common firearm magazines typically possessed for lawful purposes based on text, history, tradition of the Second Amendment. This law is clearly, not maybe, clearly con- unconstitutional. And the history and tradition of the Second Amendment clearly supports state laws against the use or misuse of firearms with unlawful intent, but not, and this is important, but not the disarmament of law-abiding citizens, which he says, you know, it's real fine. You guys think you're all hot stuff. I'm reading between the lines and just kind of parenthetically saying that um, the judge basically was was mocking California. And, And... Not so many words didn't, you know, you have to read between the lines on this, but it's like, and by the way, I said the last time we did this, um, and it is like, for example, guess what, California, without bullets, there's no gun. I mean, there's a gun, but it's not usable, and it has to be in common use, and that's what this law, the Second Amendment, protects. And you're trying to disarm people by reducing the number of bullets they can have. That is unconstitutional.
1: And they actually think that they can get rid of guns by getting rid of bullets. They think that would—or is it just, you know, is it all this virtue signaling to the left, and they know that there's no way they can win this?
2: And, well, I— I mean, they might just keep trying. I mean, Gavin Newsom has made it his presidential platform to go after guns, right? right. So even though he's, oh, I'm not running for president. <laughs> yeah, right. No, he's just going to be in the spin room, uh, you know, yeah. after the debate this yeah. week and all of this folder all. And he has made it a mission to, you know, man, let's get a California constitutional convention now mind you he just wanted to change the law before but then he was reminded that you know the second amendment is in the constitution you actually it. if you want to do that you actually have to change the constitution and the only way you can do that by the way you want to which is like now is you know quickly is to do it through a constitutional convention and then people are warning him hey just like people have warned that the the efforts by the, the right to do that hey guess what? There is no one subject rule at such a constitutional convention. You open it up to other people who want to change other things about the Constitution. Therefore, you probably don't want to do that, Gavin. But it's really not about that. It's about taking a mechanical, (coughs) excuse me, stance on a, you know, we don't like guns. We don't like kids being shot with guns. We don't like anybody being shot with guns. Therefore, we are against guns. You know, they're not standing on principle; they're standing on emotion. Nobody wants to see kids die. It's like it, when they the same argument they used against the right on well, they don't like the environment. They love dirty water and dirty air, and of course, that's ridiculous.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's why we're called conservatives. We want to conserve things. So anyway, that's that's the latest.
1: So, um. Here's the thing that always bugs me about um these the people who th- when they like this thing with uh, Newsom and and the second amendment not the second amendment but him uh his idea of proposing a, another amendment to do what he thinks the second amendment uh, doesn't do the, <laughs> these people how is it that they don't understand And this guy's a governor, I guess I don't know where he was educated, but he's a governor of California. He apparently, if not obviously, doesn't know that the Bill of Rights, they are negative rights. They are are statements that tell the government what it can't do to me. They can't tell me I can't have a gun. He wants to have an amendment that says, yeah, you can own a gun, but uh, you have to be 21 years, whatever all the BS that's in there. That's yeah. not what the Bill of Rights is about. It's about it's about keeping the government yeah. away from me, not having right. the government tell me what I can and can't do. I mean, uh, don't and, they and, understand? Uh, I mean, does he actually not know that?
2: No, he of course he knows that. And What he says, oh, well, you know, we're just basically, you know what they're mad about? Come on, John, you and I both know. They're mad about the Dobbs abortion decision. And so they're going to stick it to the Supreme Court in any way, shape, and form they can. And the most convenient effort now is to go after them about the Bruin decision because that's as that is as tectonic a decision as um, and well maybe it's not quite as tectonic as let's say the Dobbs decision, but it's big and they'll and that will just be a lightning rod for the left and they'll say aha we have to do something we have to attack the U.S. Supreme Court so that's what they're doing here that's the only thing they're doing it's just a it's a 2024 election stance. Trust me when I tell you that after 2024, it, this discussion will just, you know, sort of fizzle off into the ether until the next election cycle.
1: Hello. What is it that the Bruin decision said? Pardon? What is it that the Bruin decision determined?
2: Well, several things that you have a, a right to carry a firearm, mm-hmm. that it is a God-given right, that you can do that irrespective of what the states say, that you have guns in common use. Some of these guns are maybe guns you don't like, but they're in common use. And as a result, common use guns have been protected by the U.S. Constitution since time immemorial, especially in this decision uh, Brule, or, uh, the Benitez, the judge in the California case, went back over the historical record. And so his historical record is the, that he deems most important is that which between, it's between 1791 and 18, oh, oh, I have it right here, 1791 1868. And his, the point is, is that these cover guns in common use. And maybe that's not a machine gun, but uh, but he doesn't say that. He just says there there are guns that may have huge ammunition magazines, and those are something for a different day. You're not going to you're not going to conceal carry that. You're probably not going to have that at home. This decision covers the guns that have that they believe should have less than ten rounds in it. And and his his contention is not only is it built. Benitez, this is uh, his contention, which is built on Bruins. So we're talking about the same thing. Just because you don't like that many bullets doesn't mean they don't have the right to own this gun. A gun doesn't work without bullets. You cannot disarm the public through a, and I think he said it was sort of a sneaky way, which was the, uh, the magazine size. And so... That's that's what's at risk here. That's why they don't like it, because not only does this, I think, open the door for constitutional carry, which many states have, which means that you can just carry at will, and it doesn't matter, you know. Um, But also, and give the left their due, there are limitations on First Amendment rights, and so they're trying to decide and and analogize the limitations of time, place, and manner on First Amendment rights to the... Limitations they want to impose on the Second Amendment. So that's what's going on. They got slapped down big. Rob Bonta, the Attorney General, uh, was given 10 days to appeal, and they did that because the judge said, "I know you're going to appeal. You know, I roll, and here you go." And after that, this your your law, your little magazine man thing here is. It, i have, there's a permanent injunction against it until such time that the u.s supreme court takes it up and so bonta went back and he's going to go back to the ninth State, uh, circuit court of appeals ninth circuit court of appeals um uh knocked him back the first time agreed with him the second back to, uh, time and then after that it went up to the supreme supreme said no guess what the bruin decision exists they sent it back down, saying it was remanded, and that's why it ended up in the court of uh, uh, the Jew, uh, the district court judge in San Diego, and then it, they're trying to get it back to the Ninth Supreme or Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals again, and you know, what at what point do the people of California say, "Give up, man! Stop wasting our money! Stop wasting our money so you can take away our rights!" But nobody's saying that to them, except you know, people like us.
1: Well, what about, and uh, we're talking to Victoria Taft, the PJ Media, and uh, the Adult in the Room podcast. Um, uh, how, much, how popular is Newsom out there still, and how is it possible that anybody ever wants to look at him again?
2: Uh,
1: in California, well, think, I'm talking about, much less anywhere uh, else. Well, they,
2: I mean, you and I both know, we've talked about it. Yes, people think that there are fatal flaws in this man, that he is just a you know, prima donna governor hair gel. Yeah. and that he does anything the left flank tells him to do. The only thing he did this week or the last few days that was not part of the plan was saying to the left his two-thirds majority supermajority in the state legislature that you know what, I'm not going to sign into law. Indeed, I'm going to veto this bill you guys are trying to pass that gives that takes away parents' rights and their right to know. Whether their child is uh, going under a different name, different pronouns, and all that stuff. Yeah, the Democrats uh, were, were
1: good with that, right? They, they,
2: oh yeah, they were totally good, and yeah. he's good with that too. Are you kidding me? Yeah. His wife's a doc maker, a documentary maker. They're all in. If you watch, you can look at their timelines. Oh, they're, they believe so all this so other stuff, So but it's it all political. Not of fact, it's oh hell all pl- yeah! Because but he's vetoing. that's what. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, he vetoed it just to you know try to. Write out a good, a good, uh, you know, news cycle. But the fact is, he's 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 all in on that stuff because he's there are other laws he has never stood up against that are similar in nature. And he, oh yes, yeah, schools know best for your children. That's really what? yeah. If schools know best for your children. Why are you sending your kids to private school during COVID? Right, I mean, always. As a matter of fact, I mean, just come on.
1: I got about a minute left, Victoria. What are the chances of him running for president? Uh,
2: ninety nine percent
1: that 's what I thought and, and, and to
2: leave you to leave you with one thought on the Bruin decision, remember now there used to be a test in order to balance whether or not um, Tiers of scrutiny, I read here, like intermediate scrutiny, strict scrutiny, applied to guns. And it used to be intermediate scrutiny, but now it's strict scrutiny. And you know what that means? As Clarence Thomas put in the, in the majority decision, there, were, there was one step too many in that previous way of balancing gun rights. Now there's no step. Now you have a clear right to do that. Good. Right on.
1: And yeah, um, I know.
2: that's, that's why i'd want to kill him
1: yeah well gavin Newsom's a slimy looking guy to me um i oh, mean he looks uh, like he an actor and a, he's, he's just a little about uh too too slick by half uh for everybody oh, yeah. but uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to be bombarded with him but we'll bring you on uh-huh. and you can uh keep your eye keep keeping your eye on him victoria we'll have you on again
2: yeah 30 billion dollars he lost just in one element of covid funds 30 billion with a B. What? And that should start the conversation right there.
1: Well, we'll start it. But as I said, keep your eye on them. Thanks for coming on. We'll, we'll do. Thank you. That's Victoria Taft of PJ Media. I'll be right back. Our governor, Josh Shapiro, wants to uh, register everybody to vote, whether they want to or not. He's been bragging about it almost as much as he bragged about free age, free breakfast for every kid. Jay Christian Adams knows all about how Democrats have messed with elections. He's president and general counsel at the Public Interest Legal Foundation, and he joins us now. Christian, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, John. So what is it that the governor's bragging about?
3: Well, what he's doing is sort of turning the motor voter law inside out. Remember, 30 years ago, Congress passed motor voter that said when you go to register your driver to get your driver's license, they'll offer you the opportunity to register to vote. What Governor Shapiro is doing is twisting the law to say when you go to get your driver's license, you're going to automatically be registered to vote unless you tell them otherwise. So it's sort of like turning voter voter on its
1: head. Yeah, and, and so why is it unconstitutional?
3: Well, I'm not so sure it is. I mean, 20 states have it. Uh, it's, it's certainly not a violation of federal law. The question is whether Pennsylvania law prohibits it, or whether he went through the right procedures to do it. I'm not completely convinced he can't do this, and I'm also not convinced it's going to make that big of a deal. Uh, I, it, it, you know, he he. Let's put it this way: there's more bark than there is bite when it comes to this governor. He's very good at PR and bluster, as opposed to being an effective uh, policymaker. And I think this is probably another example of a whole lot of bluster and uh, PR opportunist. Um, you know, it's going to make a difference on the edges for sure. But right now, Motor Voter pretty much registers everybody to vote that goes to PennDOT
1: anyhow. So it's hard for me to see the difference this is going to make. Well, how is your organization, uh, Public Interest Legal Foundation, involved in all this?
3: Well, we're involved because we've been in a fight with a lawsuit for over four years now, or maybe five with the Commonwealth. Remember, I've been on the show talking about non-citizens getting registered through this process by PennDOT going back 20 years. So this is a state, this is a, a, a state government that is not very good at managing the voter rolls, right? That they're constantly messing up, despite the fact they're telling you they're not. They really are, and they admit it. Uh, And so they're going to suddenly start cranking in all these people through an opt-out procedure as opposed to an opt-in. I am a little bit worried that they're going to find a way to bungle this like they do everything else in Harrisburg.
1: Yeah. Could you kind of recap what exactly it was that you found out earlier about the uh, uh, registering to vote? And it's this very problem, John,
3: when people would go to PennDOT to get their driver's licenses, and you were, and, and, and if you weren't a citizen, it didn't matter. You were, you were not only getting your driver's license, but PennDOT was actually opting you in to register to vote, even if you were a non-citizen. So this is a, a, a demonstrable real problem. This isn't some fantasy that, that PennDOT has been doing this erroneously for decades until we caught them doing it. And, and now they're just going to make the problem worse, uh, by, not having any checks on on, uh, registering to vote.
1: Well, so doesn't registration require an application being filled out?
3: Well, that's the whole purpose of Motor Voter from 30 years ago. The application is on the screen uh, or on the the driver's license application. They've merged into one because of Motor Voter in 1993. So anytime you do anything at PennDOT, move, move your address, registered to get a driver's license, anything, it becomes a voter registration moment. And that's where the problem came from with aliens getting on the voter rolls in Pennsylvania because they were going to get driver's licenses and being offered voter registration. That's where this whole problem came from. And Josh Shapiro just doesn't care because he is about message and about, about the struggle as opposed to running an effective, efficient state government.
1: So he's over. Uh, he's he's over uh, reacting to a, a problem that doesn't exist, or, or at least trying to glom on to a problem that doesn't exist and virtue signal to everybody.
3: That's exactly right, because there is no problem with registering to vote. This is a bunch of bluster. It's never been easier. To register to vote than it was in Pennsylvania last year. It's almost like you have to resist it. Like you, you know, people are always trying to sign you up to register to vote, and and so there was no need, John, to uh, to do this because it was really already super easy. You could do it online. You could you could get it at the post office. Like you had to work hard to avoid registering to vote.
1: And so uh, maybe the state legislature should have been involved in this, though isn't that kind of how it's supposed to work, rather than an yeah. edict from the governor?
3: That's a great point because in every other state, in every other state, there is a state registration law. Who's in charge? When it happens? How it happens? This is an edict from the governor, and you know, if if anything, uh, I think both political parties ought to agree on is edicts from governors are usually not the best way to make policy. Uh, this is a political decision uh, that ought to be done by legislators and, and signed by the governor. Everybody has a say, right, in the legislative process. But that's not always how it works in Harrisburg, especially not with this grandstanding governor.
1: So you say that so much of this is, you think, is just um, public relations. Uh, but would, would, it just seems to me that dem, a Democrat would not be this enthusiastic about this if it didn't mean more Democrats voting for Democrats or more more people well, becoming Democrats and then voting for Democrats.
3: Yeah, they believe that. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, but understand that there's sort of this dogma that has emerged around the left, like especially people like Josh Shapiro or hard left, uh, that – if more people vote, the more likely we'll get our progressive utopia. Now, I disagree. I think it's the opposite. The more people who vote, the more President Trump's we elect than, than Barack Obama's. But putting that aside, Shapiro is an, an, a, a high priest, although that might not be the uh, uh, a religious way, is not the best way to put it. Right. Shapiro is like the the guru, maybe. We'll call it the guru of this idea that the more people who vote, uh, the more we'll have left-wing policies. He just really believes that, and I think he's really wrong.
1: Well, I've always been in favor of the stupid people staying home. Uh, I, don't, I don't really care about turnout, but I'll take your word for it that, in this case, turnout is better because you think if more people show up, they're going to be showing up out of passion for Trump rather than staying home because of you know no passion for Biden?
3: No, I I think it's because America is a center-right country. And I know Pennsylvania, I grew up there, as you know. And I think if every single adult Pennsylvanian voted every single one, there is no way on earth that Josh Shapiro is the governor of Pennsylvania. There's no way on earth that the Democrats had a huge majority on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court because Pennsylvania is a center-right state. There's only two and a half pockets of leftism in Pennsylvania, particularly Philadelphia, a little bit Allegheny, though that's changing, and Center County in Harrisburg. That's it. And the rest of the country and the rest of 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 the state is sane it's Westmoreland County. It's Butler. Stay at, It's regular America. And the more that every single Pennsylvanian votes, the less likely you elect a governor like Josh Shapiro.
1: So what's the what's the solution there to get more people to show up and vote these people out? At, 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 what 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 how could things be any worse for people to not want to, to for them to not have the incentive to go out and vote?
3: Well, trust me, that day could come. And, you know, here's the bottom line. The, the people who vote in Philadelphia are doing it because their money comes. They can't survive without Democrats in office. That's their, that's their livelihood is government largesse. Uh, lesser extent Allegheny, but in places like Harrisburg, And and Dauphin County, the bigger the government, the more money the voters have. So those places have incentives. The rest of the state, on the other hand, lives in the real world. Allentown, uh, Scranton, uh, Erie, uh, Somerset, those places live in the real world where you have to go earn your money. And so, you know, they aren't all about politics. They live in the real world, so they don't think about it all the time like they do in Harrisburg. And that's why there's just, you know, not enough of those normal people going to vote.
1: Yeah, I uh I'd be willing to listen to anybody who wants to come up with a plan. I live in Washington County for uh, Washington and Green County to be uh to secede and join West Virginia. I'm 100% serious. Yeah, right. I'd be perfectly okay with that. Well, there's a
3: great example. West Virginia, don't forget, 30 years ago on election night, they were they were going to go for a Democrat and then they saw they saw the people of West Virginia saw what the Democrats and the left are doing for the country, which is destroying it. And they, these are people generally in West Virginia who love this country. And I've been to West Virginia. I go there a lot. I graduated from WVU. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, there was a big turnaround there. You ask, what's it going to take for people to realize? Well, look at West Virginia, because they realized.
1: Yeah, we're talking to Jay Christian Adams. Uh, He's the president and general counsel at the Public Interest Legal Foundation. Where else are you? uh, I know you don't just focus on Pennsylvania, Christian. Where else are you working and what's going on like in places like Georgia and Arizona?
3: Oh, my gosh. Well, we're in Michigan right now litigating about dead voters. They've got Tens of thousands of dead voters on the active voter rolls. We're getting uh, a lot of evidence there. Uh, in, in Alaska, we just settled a case last week that breaks down what's called the ERIC barriers. We've talked about ERIC, where they don't allow uh, their Pennsylvania's part of ERIC, and it doesn't allow you to get public information. We blew that up, that wall in Alaska last week. Uh, we've got cases in 13 states uh, and uh, and Pennsylvania still going, still going in Pennsylvania.
1: Did Joe Biden win in 2020?
3: Well, look, he got the most electoral college votes. How he got there is a different story with the law being suspended. That's my biggest beef is you play by the rules that you set at the beginning of the game. When you run an election, you don't change rules in the middle of the election. And that's exactly what happened in 2020 with all of these like Philadelphia counting center COVID rules. I mean, talk about lawless. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, in in Philadelphia, but hey, that's how that's how the Democrats in Pennsylvania play.
1: Yeah, I I, I saw something online the other day because um, I I see people saying this all the time uh, from in the media, and I, you know you see it popping up on social media where anytime that a claim is made that there were some shaky things going on in the 2020 election, you hear people say ah they were they went to court and they lost every time, and that's not true, is it?
3: Well, of course not. I mean, look, in Delaware, for example, we won. We we challenged Delaware's unconstitutional all-mail voting and same-day registration because the Delaware Constitution doesn't allow you to do it. And we won that case in the Delaware Supreme Court. So, And I could go on and on with other cases we won, but that's just the first one that comes to mind. It, some cases lost. There's no doubt about that. Some cases were crazy from the beginning. Like, like cases brought uh, under the guarantee clause of the Constitution, I I tell lawyers that I can guarantee you one thing: if you bring a lawsuit under the guarantee clause, you're guaranteed to lose because it just doesn't work. But that's the story of 2020. You have to remember there were good cases, there were bad cases.
1: Yeah, here's the here's just an example. Um, I found this. It's at election dash integrity dot info. Um, and this is what it says in, uh, in Western PA. This is the first thing at the top of the list. It says uh, the issue was vote-by-mail, notice-slash-cure for mismatches, missing signatures or mistakes, witness requirements, failure to include ID, blah, blah, blah. The disposition dismissed lack of standing on federal claims. Other claims did not have a statutory basis. So the evidence was never – that's a case where the evidence was never heard, Correct. It never got to Yeah, go there's
3: out. a whole bunch of them like that. No, Standing so. issues are a big issue.
1: Yeah, so it's not, and, and here's another one from Pennsylvania. Um, it says the issues, poll observers were not allowed at early voting locations, disposition denied on statutory basis. What does that mean? Uh, so, again, the, the, that doesn't tell me that there was any serious investigation of the uh, issues or the claims
3: Well, right. In most of those cases, there were. But the the worst of 2020 was not the purported voter fraud. It was the rewriting of the rules. I mean, that's that that was a horrible situation in eastern Pennsylvania and Philly, where they were just not allowing the law to be followed, where they were making it up, where uh, uh, Philadelphia would count ballots like hidden from the public. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It was it was it was a, um, a, a wholesale disregard of the rule of law in many parts of the country.
1: And so how confident are you that we're going to get it right in uh, '24?
3: Well, it's going to be better.
1: I don't know if it's going to be right,
3: but it, there's plenty of people, and, and people like Josh Shapiro and that um, joker Al Schmidt who, who used to be a Republican and then turned his coat inside out who runs the elections for yeah. Pennsylvania – uh, they need to be aware that there's lots of people ready to pounce and sue the minute, the minute that they start violating the law again, like they did in 2020. It's not going to happen like it did in 2020.
1: So explain that. What what happened in 2020? The uh, it, it was too late to challenge, and now you have to you have it, to preempt it.
3: Yeah, I don't think it was too late, but I think everybody got caught flat-footed. The notion of a of hundred lawsuits around the country or a hundred changes of the law, whether it was Wisconsin with drop boxes, whether it was Michigan with, with a whole host of things, the idea that election officials were going to break the law to, you know, to not follow what the law says was not even on anybody's radar. Like we didn't think that was possible. And so when they did this, or when they went to court like they did in Virginia to change the laws in court in 2020, everybody caught flat-footed. We didn't expect it, and I don't think that will ever happen again. And I can speak from personal experience that uh, groups like Public Interest Legal Foundation are ready to strike and to defend laws where they're under attack in courts and to defend laws when election officials are ignoring the law.
1: Just a quick opinion. i got about 30 seconds left. Do you think it's going to be Joe Biden running against, uh, well, I don't, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be Trump, but it could be anybody. Do you think Joe Biden's going to be the candidate?
3: I have no idea, John. I'm serious. It, it, it's hard to know. I mean, it, it, it's uh, so many cross currents. I don't, I, don't, I don't
1: think we've had a year
3: like this since 92 as far as who's going to be what.
1: Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm putting my money on it not being him, but that's just me. Um, But, hey, I appreciate you coming on. J. Christian Adams, President and General Counsel at the Public Interest Legal Foundation. Thank you.
3: All right, John. Take care.
1: Okay. We'll be right back. Well, it's Monday. How about a little Steeler Monday? I did that for a long time working in TV. Used to love it. Um, Traveled with the team. uh, Did the post-game interviews. Came back. Put together a nice... uh, well, I would put together a three-minute piece for uh, KDK TV when I was working there. It was officially called Steeler Monday, and it was something I I would get into work at noon. I'd work on it several hours and was really proud of it and happy to do it in three minutes. Now they're lucky if they get two minutes for the entire sportscast. I took three minutes just on the Steelers. So that's why I, when I got out of lewing sports uh, in general, but sports on TV – I I got out when the getting was good. I don't know if it, ever, it will ever get back to where it was. But just a, a couple of thoughts on the Steeler game last night. Uh, everybody – I was up in Canada for a few days, but I was paying attention to what's going on, and um, and all the attention was on, by the way, Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator. And um, I don't know if there's anybody – I've never met anybody in Canada, by the way, with the last name of Canada. If I did, I'd remember that. Hi, I'm Steve Canada from Canada. I But anyway um, – Somehow last night, Matt Canada seemed to be throwing the ball a lot better. Uh, a couple of really nice throws there by Matt Canada. Nice uh, rollout to his left and throw, uh, complete for a touchdown in the back of the end zone. And um, Matt Canada seemed to play a little bit better defense, too, because the Raiders only ended up with, what, uh, what was it, 20, 23, to 16, 23 to 18. So um, I just think that Matt Canada did a much better job than he's been doing the last few weeks. I don't know, maybe it's me, but the troubles that the offense had the first two weeks may have had something to do with the fact that the Browns and the 49ers have two of the best defenses in the league and uh, that it was the quarterback's fault more than it was the offensive coordinator. I'm not saying it wasn't the offensive coordinator, uh, that you know that it couldn't be the offensive coordinator also, or mostly even, but I don't think anybody knows. And I don't think that, that um, Matt spent the week listening to sports talk radio and then changed the game plan last night, and that's why they won. Just me. I don't think he goes home tonight and let me see what they're saying on the radio about our game yesterday and what I should do this week. I don't think that happens. But let's see what happens next week, uh, and uh, you know, maybe people ought to get off his back. At least give him a break for a week. I'll talk to you tomorrow.